it. Welcome to Strata Stories. My name is Thomas Schreiber, and I'm the Director of Marketing here at Strata. Strata is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. On today's episode, Paul Singh, the CEO of Strata, talks with Jimmy McKay, a physical therapist and the founder of PT Pinecast. PT Pinecast is an awesome media company to help PTs grow their therapy knowledge. Paul and Jimmy talk through how to create short form content, low cost options for creating that content, why consistency is the answer to 99% of your marketing problems, understanding attention, and lastly, the power of user-generated content. If you'd like to learn more about Strata and see how our EMR and RCM works, head over to stratapt.com to book a demo. Now, without further delay, here's today's episode. So let me give you a prompt. It's 2024. To your point, what you said earlier, you got to like stay ahead of the times. It's getting noisy out there and stuff like that practice owner comes to you and says, hey, Jimmy, what are my low-cost options for creating content? What are you telling them? Well, all right. First, I'll set the stage, right? So here comes my inner monologue, which is when plasma screen TVs first came out, they were a gajillion dollars and you had to sell on the features, not the benefits. People were just like, look, this thing's $3,000 because it is. They were, the market was small, but the price was high. And that was sort of the same as like you needed to have a camera and a microphone, and you had to spend this time. There's a lot of investments. You had to have equipment and software and time. The cost was high, but over time, the cost is going to come down. And I'm talking about cost of time to do these things. It's getting simpler to do it because there's a cell phone that now does that. And now there's these apps that exist because there's smart software people that go, what's a problem that people have? And now I'll give you a real-life example, a brilliant example from a company well, the parent company from TikTok. TikTok exists on user-generated content, right? The more people are making that they do not pay these people, well, I'm sure they give them like a, a penny per million views, whatever they're doing, but they're getting social clout out of it. So there's a reward for making content on TikTok. So what do they do? They invent CapCut. Are you familiar with CapCut? No. Editing software that makes you make banger videos that would have taken a video editor hours to do is not the average person is leveraging this. Mm -hmm. CapCut is a game changer and it makes it really easy to upload to a lot of programs, super easy to upload to TikTok. So TikTok was smart. They're like, how do we get more people making? They're like, incentivize people. And they were like, well, we could give them money or we could make the cost to look good lower. So they made the cost to look good lower. They invented CapCut and they're like, here, everybody, here you go. It's free, use it, right? So they lowered the barrier. So yeah, when I first started podcasting, I had a $100 microphone and a $100 a month subscription to Adobe, and that was the cost to get into it. But there was also a ton of time to podcast, editing all this. But the more I did it, the more everybody did it, the cost, the barriers coming down. Well, now we know there's an inverse relationship though, because the cost is lower. Well, now everybody's doing it. I was the only person I knew with a podcast in 2020, uh, 2015. And now, I don't know, man, we're going to reach a tipping point where more people have podcasts than don't have podcasts. So here's what I would say to a business owner, and I don't care if this person's in healthcare, in physical therapy, in anything, to a business owner. It's easier for me to sell this because I do this. I will help people launch podcasts and YouTube channels on the side because it's easy for me and I like it. More importantly, it's valuable, it's needed, and I like it and it's fun. So I work with a video guy on the side and we launch this. So I would say, listen, I don't even need to give this pitch anymore. You see this as a business owner. You see other people. You consume content. You know this. 
And then I just give them, listen, there's this ratio that I, it's called the signal to noise ratio. The day we're recording this, I don't know if you know this, Paul, but today was the loudest, busiest day on the internet in terms of uploaded content. And you're like, what? I had no idea. Why is that? Why is it today? It's just today. Here's the thing. Tomorrow's going to be noisier anyway. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, there's more content coming out every day. Right. Yes. Yes. So listen, I want to make sure this doesn't overwhelm people because it's a signal versus noise ratio. The world is getting noisier and noisier and you are trying to get one signal, your message. How to do this. Why physical therapy is an option. Why you are the option in someone's community. The way to do that is... I use exercise principles. So I try to talk in the business owner's language, in their physical therapy, healthcare language. So there's this principle called the FIT VP principle. Frequency, intensity, time and type, volume and progression. That's how you get stronger. That's how you get bigger butt muscles. That's how you get the beach body. Frequency, how often you're going. Intensity, how hard do you go each time. Time, type, volume and progression. This is FIT VP. These are communication principles too. How often are you sharing things? How often are you trying to cut through the noise? How intense are you doing it? So it's frequency, intensity, time type, volume, and progression. So, I mean, I used to work with radio stations and we would work with uh, car dealers. And car dealers, for some reason, local car dealers, when they used to advertise a lot on radio, love to scream in their commercials. I don't know why. I'm like, you do know they all, you do know everybody has a volume knob, right? They can turn you down. Also, when someone yells at me, I tend to just (laughs) get shocked and then not want to hear what they have to say. Yeah. So I remember I pitched an idea to a car dealer where they would come in quarterly or annually and we'd plot out their ad spend and their ad content. Maybe we'd do funny things during different holidays. And I said, I have a crazy idea for you. And like, what is it? I said, what if all your commercials were whispers? What if they were super quiet, slow? Because I stood in a radio booth all day, every day, and I heard car commercials and they were all talking fast, screaming, yelling numbers. By now, everything was urgent. And I was like, what if you literally zigged while everybody else is zagging? And we did that. And the guy came back and was like, I I did not think that would work. But people actually commented how they liked, they understood. I'm like, you were whispering when everyone else is screaming. So that's also what I would tell people. Because I think most healthcare, most physical therapists specifically right now, they're like, well, I need to get on TikTok and just do 50 exercise videos because that's what all the big accounts have. They're showing up, it's exercise videos. And I go, all right, well, you could be one of 14,000 people doing that, or I bet you have other value. What other values, what other things can you communicate? So I try to simplify a lot of things with healthcare providers or business owners. If you had the chance to, and I frame it differently, if you had the chance to earn your ideal customer, your ideal patient's attention for 10 seconds, seven seconds, five seconds, what would you say to that person? Would you scream? Probably not, right? Because that would turn anybody off. And then I start reframing that way because that is that is the formula of a really great short form piece of content. Hook, highlight the problem, highlight the fact that here's a solution. You're teaching me something or educating me. Those are the only two things you can do with content. Last time on your show, I screwed up. Yeah, the reel you guys made of me was me actually saying my own words wrong. I'll say it right this time. The only thing, you, two things you can do with content is educate someone or entertain them. Or the bonus thing is you can do both at the same time, right? So I would usually say, don't do it how everybody else is doing. That's the quickest way to just fade into noise. The quickest way to be signal is to stand out. And I would say the way to scale you is just be you. And I know it's a bold, it's, that's, a, that's a psychological thing for a lot of people to get over sometimes, myself included. So the first point you're making about consistency, totally agree. I mean, you, you just have to put something out there. This is 
like most things, the number of reps you put in is sort of correlated to success. But to the second point, you're right. Like, I think you also got to get over that mental hurdle. You know, marketing is not dirty. I'll give you my definition of marketing. It's funny because you're right. I see the same sort of like, "Mm, this looks, this feels like I'm trying to sell something. And I was like, okay, well, and here's how I framed it before. My dad was a New York City fireman. He had, was a he worked in a public service. They didn't really need to advertise. There were no billboards for the fire department, but they did a ton of education. They would send a Dalmatian to school and talk about stop, drop, and roll, and when do you call 911? So they would educate. So then I just change it. You're a PT. You're a healthcare provider. You love telling people stuff. You know so much, and you see how your knowledge could help people. Great. Change selling to over-educating people. And then at the end, just go, hey, by the way, if you want to learn more, here's my website. Here's my email address. Here's how you could book time with me. Does that change things? And like, yeah, that's still marketing. You're still doing the thing. So I think when they change it, for some reason, these altruistic healthcare people just go, oh, it's just making sure people understand what they should be doing. I go, right. Yeah. It, I mean, as Gary Vaynerchuk would say, it's about documenting, not creating. Creating seems really hard, you know, especially if you're not like, I, I don't think of myself as creative. I, I find that really hard. We're just documenting us chatting. I mean, that's just kind of how this goes, right? So let's go one step further here. But Jimmy, uh, all right, so I'm the practice homer. But Jimmy, ah, oh, man, you know, this is just, this is like a lot of work. I, I don't know, man. I don't want to put my face on this thing. You know, uh, I got a reputation, but what about my patients? Or uh, like, what, what else can I do here? Now I've given you a bunch of excuses. You can't convince me to turn the camera towards myself. I still want to make more money. I want to grow. But so what else, what else can I do? Yeah, so we're just talking about how. You're just changing the how. So you don't like talking in front of a camera? Don't. You could do a faceless video. And keep in mind, I don't want to just skip to everything's got to be video. It doesn't. I usually tell people what type of content they should start creating is the type of content they like consuming because they're going to understand it better, right? Oh, I don't really know how to do the social medias because of the TikToks and these kids these days. Great, don't. Don't be on that platform if you don't consume there yet, right? Start where you're comfortable. And then do reps. We do the same thing with exercise prescription. What's the best exercise to do for any issue? The one you're going to do, the one you like and the one you're going to do. Then later on, we might go, hey, you had good results there because you did frequency, intensity, time, type, volume, progression. What if we added one? One thing you're a little bit uncomfortable with. What if we now turn the camera on something? So now let me give you a specific response to what that might be, which is you don't like to talk on camera? Great, don't. Do you like to talk to people who have had a good experience with your organization? Great. Ask them for permission to do that and then set them up with one or two simple questions. Mm -hmm. Hit record. And then here's the hard part. Shut up and let them talk. Just capture it. And then go in with a critical eye and go, what's the real essence of this? Some of the best interview advice I ever got was ask the same question. If you don't love the answer they gave, ask the question again a different way. In a minute or two, maybe in 10 minutes, do it again. I feel like you had more. I host my podcast over a beer. There's a little shtick in that. There's some tricks I get to do too. When I ask Paul a question on my podcast and he's giving me half an answer and I want more, I'm just giving you a very verbal signal that I'm not talking here. (laughs) And we as human beings innately have to fill the space. And I'm like, I want, instead of me having to be go, go deeper on that and getting channeling my inner Oprah or Tony Robbins, go deeper on that. Like, that's not what I'm going to do. Right. But I can say that without saying something. So I would say frequency doing this stuff will make it easier. Frequency makes things cheaper. The more often we do it, the price comes down, right? The more often you do it. Listen, I tell people all the time, your first 10 videos are going to suck. Do you agree? And like, probably I go, great. Now that we're over it, they're only going to suck compared to your hundredth video. That's it. 
And the only way to get to your 100th video is to do the first 10. And the irony of that entire excuse is that even though they will suck, the reality is nobody's going to see them. (laughs) I think the other thing is, by the way, is that I think people have this conceptual idea of like keeping up with the Joneses, you know, social media success. They're like implicitly comparing themselves, I I don't know, to the Kardashians. Oh, well, how am I going to get 57 million, whatever it is? And, And the truth is that doesn't really matter. It's where do you get to the first thousand true fans, whether they're right around the corner from the clinic or or not. I'll share some numbers on our end, not to gloat, but just to maybe make the point. You know, we started our content efforts last June, really didn't start publishing till last July. And our fundamental goal was to just look at the top of the funnel. Okay, so we are going to publish one podcast episode a week. And I always described it as that podcast episode is the necessary evil because the podcast itself is a means to the end. What you can actually rip the podcast up into clips and you can pay people for that like we did too. And so forcing ourselves to publish one time a a week required us to hit record for an hour a week before that. And then we'd split that up into some content, you know, like little clips, little punchy bits, you know, and we'd use a service to do that. So you don't have to, you know, have a rocket scientist here. And then we just use Buffer. Like it's just this app called Buffer and we just load it up in Buffer and just have it drip. Now, the point of this is, is that Amongst all the things that people don't understand about marketing, I'd say the cornerstone of the whole thing is that content and marketing efforts compound. They don't just linearly like, we're still releasing one podcast a week. That's all we're doing. And the compounding effect is the fascinating part. So like, for example, for us, Thomas has the actual numbers handy, but the first month we might have gotten 100 impressions across LinkedIn and Twitter, because those are the two platforms I know. I don't know. TikTok yet or anything like that. And so we would just using Buffer, we would just push this out to LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube, I believe is is the other platform. You got like 100 views in the first month. And it's easy to look at and be like, man, we put in like four hours of work and got 100. That sucks. But now we're like seven, eight months past that. And if I were to show you the weekly numbers, we look at the top of the funnel weekly numbers. We're near the end of January. We're not even done with the month yet. And across all the platforms, I think we're north of 60,000 impressions. And we're not even experts. You're the expert, right? Like I'm not from healthcare, neither is Thomas. And so it just goes to show you that like, if anybody like us can just stay consistent and just hit that record button and push, you can do some massive things. And I think the other guy that really publishes his numbers publicly, I know you publish your some of your numbers in terms of like, view count. I think on your social media, you've been talking about your view count and your download counts and stuff, which is amazing. But Tony Meritato. Yeah, he's he builds in public a lot. Yeah. And if you look at like, just scroll back on his Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever platform you want, because he's everywhere. I'd say at least twice a week, he's publishing a screenshot of his Google Analytics traffic counts. And you can kind of see like, it's easy to look at somebody like Tony or you and say, gosh, those guys have a huge platform. But when you look at that slope, And you're like, man, just as recently as six months ago, it was half that. And then it was half that. And it was half that. I go through these phases. It's just me personally. And this is probably not the healthiest thing for me to share publicly. But I go through these phases where I'm like really optimistic, like 90% of the time, like, Jimmy, we could like 10x everything, right? And then the other 10%, I'm just cynical. And I'm like, 
hang on a minute, Mr. or Miss Practice Owner. You in one breath told me you want to grow your practice. In the next breath, you're finding every reason. You're like stretching over backwards to find ways to tell me this is a bad idea. So like, what is it that you really want? Because I'm not here for it. <laughs> so right. I think right now I'm probably in that cynical phase for this week and I'll switch back to optimism next week, right? I'm just tired of all the excuses of people saying, I want to grow or I, I'm tired of being stuck. I got one of our clients hitting me up and he's like, I need to grow. I need to talk to you about more money. How, how do I like get more money? Like whether it's through Strata Capital or you or whatever, like he's hitting me up. I got a call with him tomorrow. And the thing I'm going to say is like, dude, money's not your problem. You think money's your problem. Money only accelerates whatever's happening. If nothing's happening, money times nothing is nothing. <laughs> right. Now it's probably not going to go very well, by the way, because that's not what he wants to hear, right? He wants to hear, hey, I want another 200 grand to open up another location or whatever the number is, right? But this is the thing, you know, I was talking to um, Justin Stiver from Total Therapy Florida yesterday, and he said something like offhand, he was paying me a compliment and we didn't hit record. It's a shame on me because that could have been a content opportunity. But he's like, hey, man, you're only like in this industry for like a year. <laughs> and it's impressive, like how much you've heard or you know about it. I was like, look, man, I'm going to piss off some people, but it's not rocket science. Like 80% of every business is the same. Accounting, finance, cash flow, people management, recruiting, content, marketing, it's all the same. But you don't have the curse of knowledge. This is what I came into PT too. I came in and I remember going to CSM the first year, our big conference where hundreds upon hundreds of hours worth of programming was happening. And I was like, you guys are recording this? There's no camera? And they were like, no, this is pre-2020. No, no, no. People wouldn't show up. And I was like, I don't know, man. The reason people say that they come this the most is the networking, the people and the programming too. Like it's a great mix. I go, it's like saying the Foo Fighters give out their music on iTunes or on an album. I won't see them in concert. I was like, good luck going to a Foo Fighters show. You as a physical therapist aren't selling your hands or your interventions or anything. You're selling an experience. That's sort of one thing that's not a communications thing, but I have to start with, I say, we have to have an agreement that we're communicating an experience, not a product. Well, no, it's the product of physical therapy. And I was like, great, where is it? Can I touch it? What's the packaging like? Oh, that's right. It's an experience. You're Yoda, man. You're helping me go from here to here. That's what I'm buying or buying into. If you sell an intervention, that's why I pay you 20 bucks. You're going to slappy slap the pads on me and charge the batteries up and clear and you're going to give me tens unit. I'll pay 20 bucks for that. Right. But people pay for an experience. But you talked about scaling, compounding interest. You're building a library of you. It's the closest way you that it exists to scale, to clone you. And when people say, I don't know how to get there, I don't know how to do it, you just highlighted everything you said. We, we forced ourselves to record once a week. We're going to turn it into something. We call that pillar content. An article, a video, a podcast. This is pillar content. And then you make a bunch of micro content out of it. This is not my invention. This is like a Gary Vee pyramid that I'll let you download for free. And then you distribute it. And then you pay attention to what pops. And you have a cycle there. But you always, it's this upside down pyramid. Well, I don't have a camera. I don't have the time, Jimmy. I love these objections. And I say... You ever have a clogged toilet? They go, yeah. Got the time to fix that? Well, no, I hire someone. Great. Do you think this is a problem too? Yes, hire someone. Because you lack the three T's and you lack the three P's. And the three T's are tools, training, and time. I don't have the tool. I don't have the microphone, Jimmy. I don't have the training. I don't know how to use it. I don't have the time. Great, hire someone. Because I don't have a plunger. I don't know how the heck to sneak a, a toilet. And I ain't got the time. I got to do other stuff. Great, you hire someone. And then the three Ps are people, product, process. I know you have the product or else we wouldn't be talking because you must have, you must be selling an experience to someone or else you wouldn't be able to have a business and be talking to me. I know you have great people because otherwise we wouldn't be talking. I think you lack process. 
And I can show you the process that Paul just described that we can put you. And the changing part is you. We could use the same process. I could ask the same questions to a hundred different people, which I do as a piece of short form content. I ask the same 12 questions to PTs. I call it 60 second PT. This is my user generated content because PTs love PTs are people and people love to hear themselves and see themselves. They, people are the star of their own mo- of their own life. So I ask the same 12 questions and I do it rapid style fashion. And then I cut it up with sound effects and the swooshy swoosh and the lights and the whatever and the funny graphics. And then I give it out. And then I go further. I use Instagram. There's a great Instagram feature they just released because you can tag people in things. That's old news. If I tag Paul in a video and I release a video on Instagram, people can click and go to Paul. New feature now. I'm not really sure when it popped up because a lot of these apps, like there's just a new feature. They don't even mention it. They just slip it in there. It's called collaborations. Now, when I release a video and Paul's in it and I hit click, click, click collaborator, now it looks like it's Paul's video and it looks like it's my video. It looks like it's Paul's video to his audience, my video to my audience, and we both benefit. That is a true collaboration. That's why it's better than a tag. It's like, oh, because you can amplify these efforts. So... There's a process to it, but it ain't rocket surgery. You ever seen Bar Rescue, that show with John Taffer? Yes. Okay. First of all, that guy just seems like a dirtbag, but whatever. He amps it up. He amps it up. But yeah, he's good TV. Yeah, he amps it up, right. All right, so this will be a test to see if anybody actually listens or watches the show, right? Okay, so I am a sucker for great corporate April Fool's jokes. I have spent a lot of money on stupid things that to prepare for April Fool's. I haven't talked to Thomas or you or Jerry about this, but I have this crazy idea that for April Fool's this day, we should announce like PT Rescue or something. And it's got to look legit. It's the whole thing. People apply and whoever we pick, you, me and Jerry get in there for two days and we turn the practice around. Why is this a joke? Let's do this. Oh, oh no. It's going to start out as a joke. Oh, okay. 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 And then we're going to just see what happens. I think, you know, here's the thing. Like, I think that, For practice owners that are serious about making money, we all agree that they're really also good at making excuses on why they can't do X or Y. But man, what if somebody like you, me, and Jerry went in there, Jerry rips apart that front desk process, you're looking at that local marketing, I'm just tagging along because everybody needs an Indian tech support guy, I guess. (laughs) And we're just riffing on this thing. And you see what you can do within two days. First of all, if it totally fails... It was an April Fool's joke and it was Jimmy's idea. He's never going to listen to that guy again. Right, 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 right. He's an idiot. But if it goes really well, hey, maybe we can start to prove to people that no matter what industry you look at, the best products don't win. Nobody has ever in the history of the world woken up and said, gosh, I really love Microsoft Excel. Mm, That's right. But you know, nobody ever got fired for buying Microsoft Excel. Uh Same thing here. It's like the dirty truth. Service of PT is a commodity. Uh, I'm going to lose some friends on that one. Whether you went to some university in Illinois versus some university in Florida, to you, that might make a difference. But to me, like that marathoner that went in there and has like a problem with my hip, I don't care. Just fix the problem. And so, anyway, the point is, though, is that I think that bringing in sort of this marketing angle and and then this sort of like practical, no nonsense front desk approach with, with Jerry. I don't know. I just think it could be kind of fun. I think that like these aren't expensive things. I mean, put aside our time for a minute. Look at Bar Rescue, right? It's the same format for every show. Yeah. Because it's like watch The Prophet, right? Which is a similar show, but he yells a little bit less, right? John, uh, Marcus Lamona's screen. He's more of like the heartfelt guy. That's why his logo is a heart. 
But that's where I got people product process. And when he broke it down, I was like, well, it can't be that simple. And then I was like, oh, but everything falls into one of those P's. Mm -hmm. And then when you're lacking in underneath those P's, there's the three T's. But most people, if you listen to John Taffer, you watch that show, it's usually the easy fix is the people product process. Mm -hmm. The harder fix is the fourth P, psychology. The problem is that psychology sounds like it's an S. But it's the psychology. And he gets right in there, which is why he'll go into some bars. Maybe the, the owner's in there drinking, which John Taffer's like, hard no. You don't drink in your own bar, ever. And the guy's in there boozing, or maybe he's talking to females a certain way. Like, that isn't a people, product, or process issue. That's a psychology issue. That guy is ruining this business, and I can't turn it around if he's here. But ultimately, why do people watch that show, right? It's not about bars. It is, but it's not. Like, bar is just the type of business they decided to go into, because it's kind of fun, right? It's entertainment. But people watch that show to watch a transformation, to watch, you know, the roaches they find in the bottles or, the, or the whatever, the fruit flies. And they're like, oh, my God. And they watch as these people decide that this is possible mm -hmm. by themselves. This is why we hire, you know, trainers. This is why we hire interior designers. This is why we hire psychologists. John comes in there, pushes you. He wants to know exactly where the barriers are, which is why he does a stress test and looks for the leaks. And then once he finds them, he goes, here's every, here's every problem. Are we doing this or not? Marcus Lemonis talks with his money if you watch The Profit. He's like, I'll come in. I'll give you this much money, but I have 51% and make no mistake about it, I'm in complete control. Because he's like, I am in this with you. Taffer's like, I'm in there. I do the analysis. I fix it up. I slap some stuff on the wall. I teach people how to make food and drinks. I'm out. But then I remember the early days of Bar Rescue being like, where are the follow-ups? But you knew it had to take a while because like when they started recording, that was another magical moment. At the end of the episode, whatever, of episode 43, they'd go back to episode 20 and be like, here's what happened. And it's one of two things. It took off. We kept doing it. Or the psychology took back over and they ran the thing back into the ground. It's kind of like uh, Gordon Ramsay. What's the old show he used to do? Hell's Kitchen? No, it's the... Um, Before that? No, it's like when he goes into restaurants and, and like fixes them up. Same deal. He's like, hey, what? Yeah, same idea. But yeah, then he went back and did the, the follow-up a year later, you know, and half the time... This is Biggest Loser. And what happened to Steve? He dropped 350 pounds and now he's this. It's like, great. Or it happened. Like we're constantly rooting for these people, whether you like the owner or not by the end. And it's even better almost. I mean, it's better TV, right? Taffer's probably loving it when they cry. When they break down, it's like, we've had a breaking point. We are now at the lowest. Decide if we're making this business or we close and shop because then they start to talk about, are you bleeding money? Are you mad enough to make a change and admit you're wrong when your family's, you're not able to support your family? It's all psychology. It's all psychology. Yeah. If we're just riffing on like low cost ideas that I think practice owners could mess with, I forget who said this, but there's a saying that like, when people ask what brand really means, you get like 77 different answers. And somebody I once talked to or read about, I don't remember where, somebody said, here's what brand is. And he, and he said, if Nike were to open up a hotel, I bet you can picture what you would end up in. However, if Marriott or Hyatt started a, a, a shoe line, I don't think you could picture what that would look like. And so... I, like most human beings, am a creature of habit. I mean, I could talk all day about how I'm innovative. I can make all these things up in my mind's eye about what I am. But the truth is, for example, I have bought the same Nike Air Pegasus every, you know, six months, you know, as I run since high school. And I'm like 42 now. So I'm on like Air Pegasus 39 or something, that, uh, whatever they are now, right? 
the point is, though, is that when I walk into the gro- to the Foot Locker or go to Amazon, I know there's infinite choice. I just pick the same one. That's what brand is. And so when we think about other low-cost ways to do this, actually, I should probably pitch Tony Maritato on this. So like his practice in Ohio is really focused on, you know, recovery from post-op knee replacement or uh, from knee replacements, things like that. What would Nike do if it owned that practice? It would probably pick three or four of its patients that represent different personas of new patients mm. and then, right, and build content around them. Under Armour did the same thing too, right? Right now, the rational people listening are like, but Paul, we're talking about sponsorships and endorsements. Like, no, 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 you're not Nike. You're not in Under Armour. We're not talking about like trying to go get Tiger Woods or... But you have your own value to provide too, because number one, putting someone on a billboard, I did a radio campaign once. Like, let me tell you about this. This is a short story, but it's pretty good. So I ran a, a radio station. We grossed between five and $10 million in ad revenue a year for a radio station with five full-time employees and the support staff is pretty good. And my budget every year for marketing for a company in communications was $0. You had to figure it out every year, but the lights were paid, the tower worked. I had a, a room full of CDs to play with and a van. So I decided I wanted, uh, Coors Light was the advertiser that was spending the most money at the time. So I had to build something around Coors Light. The radio station was called 97.9X. That's important. It comes up. So I said, what does Coors Light want? They want to sell beer. But what do they want? They have beer. What do they want? They want dudes because dudes drink the most beer, especially in Northeast Pennsylvania where I ran a radio station. But they want people to buy the beer in the bars because bar owners can decide and make or break a a brand depending (laughs) on the area. So you pack their bar, they remember that. How do you get dudes to a bar? Beer in every bar. Girls. You have to get girls to the bar, and then guys will go to that bar. So we did 15 locations around Northeast Pennsylvania. Coors Light picked the bars that supported them the most. I brought in a professional photographer. This is before cell phones, which is how long ago this is. I brought in a a professional photographer, and we did a tour of Northeast Pennsylvania. It was a backdrop, lights, cameras, a fan, like the fan blowing the hair. We were going to do, essentially a tour to get females to bars. And here's what it was called. Do you want to be our next ex-girlfriend? Because we were going to put one of these girls, we were putting 12 girls in a calendar. One of them was going to be on a billboard for three months. So I'm playing on what the girls want most, which was attention, playing on what the guys want most, which is the girls, playing on what the beer company wants most, which is sales. So it's a, it's a multi-layered scheme. It's paying attention to what everybody wants at a level. And then I got Coors Light to buy in and I was able to provide a really cool campaign. Maxim Magazine wound up buying in on this. Maxim Magazine at the time was a mega magazine. Should not have been paying attention to what a random FM radio station was doing in Northeast Pennsylvania. But they were like, you are selling a lot of beer and you're doing this really innovative thing. Can we sponsor this? And I was like, well, yeah, because Coors Light was like, yeah, it just it validated. So it was paying attention. I'm sure somebody listening to this right now is like, I'm going to get in trouble with this. I bet somebody just listened to this part of this and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now they're all hung up on like, well, did Jimmy do this? Did he exploit that? Whatever. And that's not the point. The real point is, is you did something that stood out of the noise, which is ultimately what we want. That's what good marketing is. Just maybe like a corresponding sort of example, just to prove to people that you can find creative ways to, to get attention on low budgets. So I do a lot of tech investing and stuff like that or startup investing. One of the companies that we've got out in the Midwest, in one of their quarterly email updates to me as an investor, they were like, hey, yeah, we're having trouble recruiting. We need to hire for like 20 new positions or whatever. We just can't seem to do it. And it's slowing our growth, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, I hit reply and I asked the founder and CEO and, and I said, hey, get your marketing team on the phone. Let's talk. So we get on this call the next day. 
Like, what have you done? Just tell me what you've done. Well, you know, here we go. It's like all these examples. And yeah, we spent this much money on LinkedIn ads and this much money on pay-per-click or da 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 And I was like, okay, and you've been doing the same thing. You're telling me, you send me a quarterly updates. You've been doing the same thing for three months in a row. And now you're, te- you're surprised that it's not working. So I said, um, hey, look, I want you to stop. I'll take over for just, for just one day. And they're like, one day? I'm like, I just need to prove the point to you that this does not take 90 days. It takes one. What we need is attention and to get applicants to come in to know that you are not just any employer, but the one they want to be at. And so literally in one day, this sounds crazy. What I did was I then, as soon as they hung up, I texted their, their founder. I was like, hey, on your about page, I see headshots for everybody. Okay. Can you email them to me? So he emails me all these headshots. And he's like, what in the world? Anyway, so I pick up the phone. I don't know if you know this, but like digital billboards. You know, when you drive down the interstate sometimes, more often than not, you see like printed billboards. Those are like, those are tricky because those require lots of lead time. Somebody's got to like go in there and, you know, canvas it up. But there's digital billboards. They're literally like the same size as billboards, but they're digital. And they're, there's really only like three or four companies in the country that own them. And so it's really not a whole lot. And so I just ended up calling each of these guys. And look, you're calling a sales guy, right? So they're always available. And so I call and I'm like, hey, listen, um, I have an immediate need. I'll create all the, you just tell me the sizes or whatever, but I want your remnant inventory within this zip codes. Because obviously if we're hiring in Wichita, I can't, doesn't make me any sense to do a billboard in Bozeman. So anyway, I'm like, hey, I want your remnant inventory I'll do all the heavy lift on what's going to get displayed and I want to run a one month campaign. Now, not to get nerdy with people, remnant inventory is whatever's not sold because like a billboard does not want to be empty. And so long story short, for about $2,000 for the entire month, which yeah, it sounds like a lot, but like it was nothing. What I did was I created these, I forget what the, the dimensions were, but if you can imagine a billboard, they're like 40 feet wide, 20 feet tall, whatever they are. I just created a like a bunch of these like images. I went to Fiverr and created like a bunch of these images where it had the company's logo, their tagline, and but it was small. And the picture of the people that already work here or work there was like 90 or well, realistically, it was like 50% of the entire billboard. Here's what's interesting about that. Turns out when your employees actually see their faces on the billboards around their town, what do they do? They take pictures with it. They tell people about it. And when friends of those people see it, well, next thing you know, the local news is picking it up, da, 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 My point is that just to kind of like prove a different angle of the same thing you just talked about with your example, is that it's interestingness that we're really trying to get after here, not just doing marketing. Doing marketing is ridiculous. But to your point, you know, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, you know, one of the reasons I think I like your style in terms of the PT Pinecast is because when I'm trying to convey this message to people, I say to people like, okay, I get that you're a really smart person. I get that you're a really rational person. But if you and I were sitting around a table with nobody watching and we had two beers or two bourbons in us, how would we talk then? Because that's the real you. And that's the part that like your rational brain doesn't think needs to be out there. But that real you is the part that's like super authentic that has the chance to break out of the noise. So anyway, I could like riff on this for a while. But I think my point here is, is that There's probably an idea in there somewhere for practices to look at their patients as a possible brand ambassador. I worked for a large PT practice. I won't say who. It was geriatric focused. And I said sort of that idea every year. Because all right, what happens every year when some video of a 90-year-old woman 
doing a 250 pound deadlift goes on the internet. Every PT grabs it and goes, what color TheraBand should I do now? They're, they're mocking it going, people are resilient. And just because she's 90 doesn't mean she shouldn't be deadlifting, right? So I said, find me someone to put on in a black and white photo with their name in the bottom right-hand corner, like Nike would in their store. And they're like, but then we get into the legal. And the I go, give them a thousand bucks. Give them a thousand dollars. Fly them around the country. Here's why it'll work. So this is a, this is a true story. You can look it up. My cousin, before I was born, she was a couple years older than me, my cousin was the national spokes girl for the March of Dimes. And the March of Dimes is one of the only charities out there to ever actually lead to a cure to the disease it is fighting. They cured these things. So she was born with spina bifida. The crazy part was this all happened before I was born. So it wasn't until I was 15 that I actually, I was like, what is this picture of Ellen Marie? And they're like, oh yeah, they flew Ellen Marie around the country she would walk on on the court with the Harlem Globetrotters and you know they brought her to the White House the way she went to China. I'm like, what? They flew her around because they made her the face of their organization. They didn't pay my cousin a lot, but they were just like, we'll do a lot. And my cousin was this vibrant kid who had spina bifida, who was just like, I'm gonna go kick ass and take names. And they did that, happy to do it. If you find the right person, you kind of only need one. You're telling me you can't find, I'm thinking about, I'm talking to you right now, my buddy down the street who hates marketing and social media, owns a PT company, is friends with me, resisted it. Now other people have joined his practice and start doing stuff on the Tiki Talks and the Instagrams. And I would say to him, I won't say his name, but I would say, hey, you, you know who you are. Who has the most, and all right, I have to say his practice name because it makes sense. His practice name is Resolve Physical Therapy. So I would just say, hey, John, who has the most resolve in the last year of the people that you've treated. That's the person you put on the billboards. I don't care. I don't care if they're 85 or 15. There's the campaign. Why? And then great, John, who is it? What makes them have the most resolve? And then what are they able to do now that they couldn't do before? Do that a hundred times and you don't need to talk in front of a camera. You just got to point one at the success stories. And you have one walking in and out of the door every 20 minutes, supposedly. Supposedly you do. And I believe you. Show me, don't tell me. And to your point, just to tie this back to something you said, a while ago here today, you talked about that TikTok example where they used to have that creator fund where you got paid for creating content that went viral. Ultimately, they realized that didn't work, not because it didn't really work. It turns out there was a better incentive. And the better incentive was give away the software that makes people look good. And the lesson in that, putting aside what people want to say about TikTok, the lesson in that is, is coming back to this topic. That release that you need is not $1,000 or $500 or $2,000. It's probably exposure. Let's just use your buddy at Resolve. And I, I don't know anything about their practice, but let's just say they, they do a lot of sports injuries or something or sports that, you know, rehab or something like that, right? It's not an or. It's not do you have a 15-year-old or an 85-year-old. It is which of the teens in high school sports have the most resolve and which of the grandmas have the most resolve? Because those two audiences, now all of a sudden, if you're like, hey, look, I'd love to have a professional photographer take your headshots, you know, and you're going to be in some resolve gear or whatever. Your consideration is that effort. You're going to say, I'm going to get that photographer out there. And now we have the right to use that photo. That sounds really corporate. We're going to make you a star. Yes. And what do you think that 15-year-old or 18-year-old is going to do when they are applying for their D1 sports uh, scholarships? They're going to reference it. And, you know, what do you think that 85-year-old grandma is going to do? Like, she may not be on TikTok or whatever, or she may not be, you know, reading the local newspaper, but now you got the images and you 
can create the flyers. So anyway, I know I'm making this stuff sound simple. It is. It is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Right. That's the key. The smartest thing I ever did when I would try to like book, or the dumbest thing I ever did when I would try to like find clients and people to work to pay me is I would talk to them about me. I can't wait to tell you how many years in radio and I did an internship for this and I did it. And people were like, oh. the smartest thing I ever did was start talking to them about them. I'm going to probably overshare here and we should probably wrap here in a second. But, uh, and this might be a topic for my therapist. I don't know. Um, but you know, you know what like really, like really rubs me the wrong way is when I meet really interesting practice owners who will set this up and we'll talk about it deeper in the next time we record. But one of the things I like to talk about when I get to know practice owners, you know, after we get through their rapport building and all that, it's like, hey, what's the most important thing for your practice over the next six months? And, you know, the first time you ask that, they're like, uh, you know, I want to do be better patient care or whatever. And then I'll be like, well, hang on a minute. Why, why did you start this thing? You probably could have made more money working at the local healthcare system or the hospital or whatever. And then that's when they start to really open up like, well, you know, I, I started this thing to get more flexibility or I thought I started this thing because I thought I'd make more money or whatever. And so the part that really always rubs me the wrong way is, is when they spend so much time focusing inward on like, it's like intellectual navel gazing. Like they're really like bending over backwards, finding every reason to not market, to not grow. And then I'll try to like not be rude, but just be really direct with them. Like, can we just agree that when you're not focused on growth, you've just created your own job? You basically have a third of the flexibility you would have had at a full-time job. You have 10x the responsibility. Like that math doesn't work. And then 90% of them like never call me again. <laughs> but but the, uh, the last 10% the last are like, well, where do we go from here? And it's like, well, look, let's look at your calendar. Let's start clearing this stuff off because what we're not, we're not talking about rocket science. We're not going to Mars here. But we do need to allocate some time, nothing more than like 10, 20% of your time to figure out how to break through the noise. Like Thomas and I have done this exercise on some other episodes before where we like actually will open up an incognito browser while we're screen sharing and type in physical therapy near me or whatever, like in their zip code. Look at how many choices a patient has. Why you? Why should I pick you? How are you differentiating yourself? Talk to me about me and I'll listen. It's the sexiest sound I'll ever hear. If you talk to me about me, I'll listen to you all day. Tell me more about me. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I am. That is possible. You're there as a guide. You're there as a nudge, as a physical therapist. You're, you're there as the person along the way. I want to know you believe in me, and then I'll show up. It's, it's fascinating. Like When you go down, when you really start to embrace marketing and you go down this path, the scary part is it becomes hard to enjoy anything because you start to see this stuff all around you, and eventually you come to this conclusion that like, it doesn't matter how rational you are. If marketing didn't work, we would have stopped doing it a hundred years ago. It's, it's fascinating. Like Go Ruck, the company that makes backpacks, they make backpacks. They make $300 backpacks. A Jansport's $10 at Walmart. These guys make $300 backpacks and their marketing game, watching them over the last five years is so fascinating. They're going down this path that we've talked about here in terms of like user-generated content, like, like promoting their the people that use these backpacks, not their own brand, you know? I use this, did I, did I drop the quote last time I was on this show from that, that movie, Halt and Catch Fire? Did I say that? Did you ever see that show? No. It was like on like TNT or something. It was this great show and it was essentially like, it was a drama and it was about this fake computer company and it was supposedly going on the time of like Microsoft and Apple, but it was fictitious, this third company. But there was a guy in the show that was clearly Steve Jobs 
there was a guy in the show that was clearly Bill Gates, right? And then there was these four characters that interacted. And at the end, the Steve Jobs guy had this quote. And the computer revolution, the smartphone is now invented because they kept jumping through time where this company and the Steve Jobs guy looked and he said, the computer was never the thing. It's the thing that helps you get to the thing, which is gardening, grandparenting, doing your business online, connecting with other people. It wasn't about, that's what Jobs, I think, understood. It's not about personal computing. It's like, where does this allow me to go? Change computer to physical therapy. I don't come to physical therapy to go to physical therapy. I come to physical therapy to do the other thing. Get that out of your brain. Understand that you are the vehicle to get me to where I actually want to go. You are not the destination. And that is not to knock a PT. It's to make people realize why they probably started in the first place. PT is not the thing. It's the thing that helps you get to the thing. Thanks for listening to another episode of Strata Stories. Strata is a single EMR platform and revenue cycle management service for physical, occupational, and speech therapy practices that helps you achieve a 99.99% reimbursement rate. If you'd like to learn more about Strata and see how our EMR and RCM works, head over to stratapt.com to book a demo.